Hello and welcome to episode niner. Hell yeah, pilot speak, love it. <laughs> Is that how pilots talk? Yeah, man. Why? I got the whole phonetic alphabet up there. <laughs> so wait, a couple questions here. Yeah. Why niner? No clue. <laughs> and phonetic alphabet? Like, what? so when I'm on the phone now with, with uh, like, people and I gotta give them my postal code, Yeah. I'm like, mother four, golf, Charlie, whiskey, <laughs> eight, papa. You know what I mean? Like, I got it down. Oh, like, you're talking about when you're letters so you refer to them as words when you when you fly you talk on the radio to the tower or other planes for letters you have to use words and for nine you say niner for some reason i don't know and is there specific words you're supposed to use or yeah there's a there's a published phonetic alphabet that you so have to m use. is mother uh m is mike mike i don't know why i said mother before yeah <laughs> better brush up on your i gotta brush up my phonetic yeah <laughs> Welcome to episode 9 of Too Many Jams, <laughs> a show about all things 20-year-olds. With help from friends, experts, and our own personal experiences, we hope to shed some light on those issues that seem to leave our age group lost and confused. And uh, one of those issues could be planning an event, which is something Robbie and I are doing right now. And it's uh, it's kind of consumed our lives the last few days. Last cu- couple weeks, yeah. It's it's last couple weeks, yeah. It's looming, uh, but it's it's rewarding. It's really cool. We're learning a lot, and it's gonna be sick. It's gonna be sweet. Definitely a learning experience, though. Um, you know, but come out to support us. You know what yes, I mean? Like it's yes. it's Wednesday, May 9th, So tomorrow, if you're listening to this episode when it releases, we're gonna have our band playing. We're gonna have uh, Wise rapping. We're gonna have Sweet Baby and Friends playing some Sweet Shalalas and a special guest, Lolo, with her new single "Yours," which is a banger. I'm gonna say that. Um, we're also gonna have food from Pico, the pizza. Pico has hooked it up. A live artist. When the moon hits your eye like, like a big pizza pie. That's amore. <laughs> I got to learn the next line of that. We've talked about this a few times. Uh, yeah. But yeah, tickets are available online. Just search Show and Tell on Facebook. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes of this. But that brings us to our guest today. A man of many events. Many all- talents. Yes. Matt Smeen here is involved in lots of events. You know, we know him from university. I have actually known Matt quite uh, quite a long time, and like our parents have been friends for for quite a while. So uh, we uh, we grew up hanging out and stuff. But uh, in school together, Matt was actually the social guy um, in our friend group who worked for uh, some of the promotional companies in London, dealing with the bars, running events for uh, for them, plus also like in the fraternity as yeah. well. Matt, so. Matt had a couple roles and you, and you can get into this uh, when you kind of give your little brief bio. But uh, Matt and I, we lived like in rooms next door to each other and when I was uh, consul, which means like the president of the fraternity, he was my pro-consul. So we worked together a lot that year and that was a pretty, we, we linked up pretty good on it's that a pretty year. pretty landmark year, yeah. So why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Well, uh, thank you for having me, fellas. Uh, well, my name is Matthew Smeaton and... Uh, Guess you could say I'm an event professional. Oh yeah. Uh, as of right now, I work for a company called MKTG Canada, uh, handling a lot of sports sponsorship activation work. Uh, but previously, was doing a lot of music festival production, and uh, how I got, I guess, so acquainted with these guys was uh, being a part of the fraternity and 
uh, Western and uh, and getting myself involved in the social scene down that way. Uh, born and raised in New York City, but uh, made my way back up. Both parents are from Toronto. That's how our, our parents know each other, Robbie. Um, and, um, and, you know, I got to get back to the roots. And uh, so ended up coming to Western and I guess really only knew yourself and maybe a handful of others being Yeah, Matt and I were in res first year and uh, Matt had actually made a pledge to uh, one of his friends uh, I I think had gone sober for the year, right? So so Matt himself being the good guy that he is decided he wasn't going to drink the whole year as well and so but you know I would come come back occasionally a little intoxicated and um, bang on Matt's door and try to fight him <laughs> most nights. <laughs> and it was uh, very unsuccessful if it that. He was just trying to fight him? Yeah, I'd, I'd bang on his door. He would, hammered. He like, would slam. Up. And it was, and it was after up. the Tuesday mixers. So it would be... Yeah, because you know, you know what? Matt didn't join the first year. The fraternity the first year. No. So after the mixers and stuff throughout the week you come home drunk from the mixers just try to swing on them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, was, it was it was more of a tackle I, I tried to tackle him in the halls and uh, it never it never really Matt's worked Matt's a football player for reference so it doesn't uh, it doesn't work out that easy doesn't work out well for Robbie who was basically half my size at that point so uh, so those were those fun days but eventually uh, I guess second year we uh, we couldn't join until the second semester, but I joined you fellas uh, in the fraternity then, and sort of segmented right into hopping in, planning a bunch of stuff. We uh, we headed out on the brotherhood road trip. That uh, was epic. Which was that your was, first year joining? That no. was yeah. Second. It must have been my first was year as a brother. It was second year, the second year but the first year as a brother. Oh right, right. And uh, and oh man, did we have some fun? Well, that's a whole episode on its own. We'll save that for when we when we just have a fun <laughs> episode. Let's keep on the event tip. Yeah. So like like you went from not drinking to being a promoter frat guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. A bit of, bit of a transition. Well. Um, I, th- I think it was I think it was partially I was working with um, or or sort of like a bit of a liaison between some of the the guys at Premier and stuff, and I was I was trying to hand off duties, right? And then uh, I introduced you to Derek to that one day. Derek remember, remember we were sitting outside of Burrito Boys. That's right. That's that, right. That one day, I'm like, yeah, Matt's taking over this role, <laughs> and it just kind of and it and it clicked. went on from there. So. I, uh, I I mean, I I went out with you guys, but I wasn't really drinking at the time. So I sort of saw, you know, um, where a good positioning would be for the group and, and saw sort of some business advantages for us and the opportunities for myself because I knew I'd always grown up in love events. Um, so ended up starting to essentially promote on behalf of the fraternity. So uh, corresponding with Derek and those guys, and, and we always had big groups coming out with us. So it just made sense. Um, so weekly, we would head out to our uh, our old favorite spot, Jim Bob Ray's. And, uh, rest in peace. Rest in peace, man. That bar was, was one of the best venues I think I've ever worked. Uh, just so much fun, but years and years, and I and I ended up building the relationship up to a point where uh, I was helping run the Greek scene down through there uh, on behalf of Premier Life. And I guess what sort of segmented me from that and that planning side uh, was heading into sort of music production side and being the festival. 
Well, when festivals would come to Bullshit. town, it's those same promotional companies that would handle the artists. And because you were tight with them and also had a fraternity house, like we had some artists after party at our house. We did. We did have some wicked after parties. We, uh, we ended up having Zed's dad. Uh, Carnage came through. Uh, with Kaizo and Valentino Khan, like we had, we had some pretty serious firepower come through. D- didn't Adventure Club come through, but just like play frisbee they, they, and not play? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember they, that. They did. So what happened was uh, we had such a successful Zedstad AP. We had those guys come through, and this was like first week of January. It was Frost Week, and it was unseasonably warm outside. Oh, that was a good. So night. we ended up. You know, getting it all organized, and the fraternity was majority against it at the time. Uh, but but I, we, we were in charge. But, I, <laughs> but we sort of pushed it through. I was like, "This is fucking happening." <laughs> and, and, no one can tell me any different. <laughs> I run the fucking place. And uh, and yeah, so we 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 pushed that one hard. Uh, but the guys ended up coming through, and they played a couple songs. Frank Walker actually played. Uh, a set down there and we ended up hanging out and outside we played frisbee with the adventure club guys which was pretty funny and we're hanging out with that with uh with them after a show but the legendary one was the zed's dead one because that came out of nowhere that was like we did not expect it to go so well for such a big name artist to come through and to work out so well like hundreds of people came talk about an and, event going well. And everything worked out. There was no crowding. Nobody... It was a little bit like packed, but in a good way. Nobody got in fights. Everyone just enjoyed it. They rocked the fucking basement. Oh, man. I had the night of my life. And, and then they just like... I got an Instagram picture with them. And then they, <laughs> and then they dipped out, man. They so out. And, and that, was the, that was the same night that uh, Trist was like, who the fuck are these oh, guys? Right? Oh, okay. Tell the story. So, so uh, I mean, we'll get back to sort of how it all came together. But it was very funny when uh, when it finally all came through. This was about 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, they came by real and, late. Uh, and I'm standing outside, and we've got Tristram, our, uh, one of our good friends, outside on the door. And this guy is... Uh, is not to be messed around with. He's one of the biggest guys I think that we know. He's huge. And so, you know, two squirrely little fellas come on up and uh, and he says, okay, who are you two? And they run off. But they weren't thankfully affiliated with anything. And finally, these guys roll up in the Escalade and Sean Frank, Delaney Jane, and Zed's dad have walked up. And so he'd been turning away people all night. Because we only wanted good-looking girls in the basement. Like, we didn't want to let a bunch of guys come from the concert. Everyone. We're inclusive. Oh, yeah. Good-looking everyone's. <laughs> good-looking everyone's. So you only turn away unattractive people like that? <laughs> That's, we're, we're terribly, terribly inclusive. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so they walk up, and he, and he stares down Sean Frank and goes, All right, man. Who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> and he's sitting here going, all right, well, I was just called up for this. Like, why am I getting grilled? And he's pointing out each of the Zed's dead members and going, who the fuck do you think you are coming up to my house thinking you can walk in for this Zed's dead AP? <laughs> and luckily, I had just caught him at this point and was able to run up to Tristram <laughs> and let him know that was actually Zed's dead who was yeah. playing the party. Yeah. And... uh and he, he couldn't have been the nicest fella after, but he uh, he let him on through, and we we ended up bringing them downstairs. And it 
it was wild. It was 350 people at least that had come through and everyone was having a good time. There was no beef. There was It was just a good vibe all around. Everyone was having a blast. And I remember distinctly, we were sitting there and piling everyone back to the house at 2.30 and there's so many people that were doubting us. That was happening. Yeah. And personally at 3.30, I was doubting myself I, well, that I mean, it was going to happen. There was, there was a couple that... Uh, that stunk before, you know, where the word got out that like so and so is coming back, and then we would be sitting there all ghosted. excited. Yeah, and nothing, would <laughs> nothing would happen, right? Well, I think the good thing about like they showed up, and like that set the tone for the rest of the DJ parties. But the the good thing, I think, the reason why that worked is a lot of people didn't know what Zed's Dead looked like. Hence, why like Tristram beefed them at the door. Hence, why in fact when they came in, you told one of our friends to entertain <laughs> them upstairs. <laughs> And so our friend grabbed two random guys, thinking they were Zed's dad, brought them upstairs, gave them drinks, was like hanging out, be like, "What do you guys need? Waters?" Like we got everything for you. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> and then, and then finally, he gets a message being like, "Yo, bring bring Zed's dead downstairs." And he brings these random guys. Zed's dead are already playing. They've been playing the whole time, and nobody knew. And these guys squirrel off like nothing's happened. <laughs> and they just they're like, like oh, "What yeah. the fuck am I doing treating these guys?" Like, <laughs> he's just looking after them. Oh man, that was. Uh, and, it, and all of a sudden, it just came out of nowhere in four, and it probably played until like seven o'clock in the morning. Man, that was one of the most impromptu fun events we could have thrown down. So after this, you graduate, you're doing events as well. You did still. a couple concerts, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yes. Like you were involved, yeah, with summer festivals and everything. You, like you kept involved with that, uh, with that side of things. And eventually led to what you did this past year, like touring around Canada um, with hockey, with uh, hometown hometown hockey. That's actually, right, right. That's right. Yeah. So you want to give a little brief background yeah. on wasn't that? There, like, wasn't there some space in there? Like, didn't you? Didn't you? Like, what? Wasn't there some cool stories when you were working music festivals? Weren't you like chauffeuring artists around? And then you worked at like. Pan Am greasy job. Oh, I yeah, forgot, I, yeah, yeah, I forgot about so, that. Mean. I mean, yeah, so, there was a lot in between before this past year. Yeah. So essentially, there's a lot of lead up that sort of got me to the point where I'm at. Um, you know, beginning with the Pan Am Games, I was a part of the fleet operations team, so we managed the vehicles going around uh, across the games. So, I mean, as a uh, as a young, I guess, 22 year old, being able to drive all these corporate cars around, and that was my entire job. I drove cars from point A to point B and picked them up and drove them back to the depot. That's, this job made waves oh, with our friends because at this point, we just finished up this year of like debauchery. Matt was like a promoter, like like going out like every night and like <laughs> like as a promoter, you don't have a lot of time to spend in your school during the day. You know what I mean? So he'd spend a lot of time just like cruising and then partying and then everyone's like looking for jobs, like going crazy and Matt out of the blue is like, oh, I just landed this like dream job, pays a crap load of money. I get to manage a team and drive cars for the entire Pan Am Games and everyone was like, I remember people going up to Matt being like, how did you get that? Like this is such an amazing job. Like what's your advice? Matt's like, I just like partied my way in. <laughs> It's like, like, I really don't know what to say. Like, things really lined up. I, I essentially just marketed myself yeah. well. Yeah, and just got extreme. to know a lot of people. And, uh, it, well, even the work experience, man, it just it translated super well. I had a ton of fun, but I uh, sort of had some responsibility. Matt's, oh, yeah, Matt's an sure, extremely yeah. social guy and uh, sometimes referred to as a chatty cat you know, <laughs> among, amongst our group of friends. Well, because, and, and what he's saying, like experience, like when he would do these events, like the Zed's Dead thing or these concerts or these promotional things, he's partying, but he was always 
like running it logistically. Like he made sure everything, like he was the reason things would run smooth. Everyone would get in. He'd be on his phone. Like he, so he did have a lot of experience for the Chevy job, but to most people, it just looked like he was just partying around. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And one thing, one thing that I always, uh, that, that Matt's extremely good at is that he doesn't really give any fucks as well about when giving orders to people and situations are getting hectic. He'll, he'll stomp around and start firing off orders, yelling at people to do what he wants. And people listen to him. He's like very commanding in these situations, which I think has worked to his favor. He's notorious for it almost. The old general days back in the fraternity. Well, sometimes, man. Could you imagine having 55 knuckleheads looking at you blackout drunk on a St. Paddy's Day when I've got five cops asking me how we're being responsible? Yeah, true. I can't, actually, because I was there as well. <laughs> we were both standing there. I was probably in a bathrobe. That's the problem. Is like I'd be dressed up in these fraternity costumes. The cops would come, and like one of us would have to go talk to them, and I'd be in like a Hugh Hefner bathrobe. Be like, officer, how you doing? Pleasure yeah. to see you tonight. Pleasure, yep. there Beautiful is evening. Absolutely nothing going on inside. <laughs> just had a nice bath in there, just in my bathrobe. Some Somebody like puke out a window yeah. or something. Like, Some girl in full lingeries walking yeah. out behind you no that is my no friend. officer you know we just finished up bible study yeah it was it's uh <laughs> yep this is she was my friend just visiting she's from out of town that's the only person in there oh uh, lordy uh so anyways <laughs> we uh so worked my way up through there and and did did a couple different music gigs uh for the past couple of years i've been a part of the ever after music festival which is uh, an edm festival down in kitchener waterloo uh, where I've taken care of some pretty high-profile guys. Uh, I was with French Montana for a full day uh, last year. What was that like, hanging out with that dude? It's, you know, uh, for myself, being probably the whitest guy on the planet and dressing like him, uh, it's funny being around that crew because they somehow took me in as their own as I was driving around, but just looked so out of place amongst these guys. Uh, we... Uh, we ended up having to pick him up in Buffalo, uh, and I was with him for the full day, took him down to Rebel for the night, and we were with Drake's crew, who rolls with God knows who, how many people. And it's absolutely insane to see the scale of some of this stuff, but to see me hanging around going, oh, French, do you, do you need a ride? Yeah, you need a bottle of water? I've got, I've got you. I'm, the, I'm a world-class Uber at that point. So you're strictly doing driver things for French. For French, yes. No, I am not uh, involved in any of uh, which... Like his artist was, needs or anything. Like his that, artist no. needs, no. There's a, there's a separate team that's... Uh, that was responsible for that, but we uh, we had some quite some high profile guys come through. We had Skrillex come and play one year. Uh, I was lucky to be a part of the convoy. We picked him up. The guy had flown in from, I believe it was Vegas, and uh, took a helicopter from Pearson, flew all the way into Waterloo, landed, and uh, a good friend of mine, Wayne, and I. Wayne he hops in Wayne's car and he drives off, and I follow, and I've got some of his luggage and. Uh, we we roll down to the show. He plays his set. The guy hops back in our vehicles. We swing him up back to the helicopter. He's in a helicopter on his way to Pearson. He flies out to Poland. He spent three hours in the country. And how much three did he hours. make for that three hours? Ballpark. Ballpark. Uh, I mean, as of his average cost now, uh, he's looking 
easily north of half a million dollars. Easily. For three hours. For an appearance. Easily. Damn, son. He's he's uh he's making quite a bit of money. And uh, is he compensated for um flying in like the helicopter use and stuff, or is that all extra? Is, is that in he... the fifty is that or is that in the half a million? So that is so the f- the f- the uh the half a million bucks in appearance fee uh, it's separate than any other cost what ye- it's typically negotiated in the contract but the transportation costs in that are not cost to the artist they're actually cost to the festival so you work on behalf of this group so uh from my understanding uh, it was a very tight timeline to get him in there so sometimes the, there's groups in Vegas that have private jets that fly these guys out to shows. The chain smokers you can see on their Snapchat, Carnage, the the Win, uh, I guess the Win Hotel is it out there. Yeah. Uh, they have to fly these guys out, and that's an, a cost that they incur, uh, and then the fee on top of that. So there's a lot of money involved with this stuff, and that's where I know you guys are seeing this. But um, well, like just thinking about an event like ours, and then scaling it up to a thirty thousand person music festival with like. Like it's just like unfathomable, unfathomable how much work goes into it, and that's why it's like it takes a year and a whole team. It's like a whole business just to run a big, gigantic party, a big show. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. And uh, there's a lot of folks that just don't see the the level of intricacy that goes into these things. Seems somewhat basic because they're run super well by you know very professional teams, uh, but you know this is a lot riding on essentially three days. Uh, a lot of businesses, I know you you yourself run a business and you guys have been involved in a bunch of different projects. When There's nothing like turning around to someone and saying, we're going to invest $4 million in three days. There could be rain that oh, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden shuts down your festival. There could be wind that blows a stage and knocks out crew and your show is done. And now you are legally responsible. To go in as a promoter is one of the scariest parts of this business, and uh, and frankly, you can't be faint of heart. It's not for the faint of heart to uh, to hop into something like this. Uh, but it's 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 a heck of a business, and that's what sort of drove me the entire way. And I'm lucky I found my passion so early. Uh, is just that the thrill of pulling it off is something that is so rewarding. Uh, and I'm and you guys will certainly feel this Wednesday night and I'm, if we I'm, pull it off yeah and I'm, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I absolutely have planned. the trust in you guys and I and I'm very excited to see how it goes um, but it's it's a you know it's a tough lesson sometimes that you learn I've done gigs where they've been massive failures uh, you know personally and for the product itself uh, and you sit there and you have to take it on the chin and it's, have to and soak it's, it. it's, a, it's <laughs> a tough it's a tough lesson for some and uh you know it's it's been great for me because it's humbling because as many successes as i've been able to be a part of and, and giant projects i've you know worked down at super bowl and and did some operational work down there uh you've you've also seen both sides of it like you've seen a bunch of failures as well oh i've i've seen some bad stuff uh i've been a pro a part of projects that haven't sold the tickets i've you know when they're predicting that there's going to be 12 to fifteen thousand, you know a good 1500 have showed up and you don't know how many comps there are mm-hmm. so the promoter's too proud to tell you anything and uh it's tough, like though, and that's a giant financial loss. But that's that's a part of the game, unfortunately. Uh, but 
you know, with the risk and reward, there's there's also so many cool experiences that I've been uh, able to be a part of. And exactly what I guess we'll segment back into uh, into hometown hockey. Uh, so, yeah, how did you originally link up with this job? So I was uh, a part of a group named Lemon Entertainment, uh, working with Pride, and that project finished. And I headed up to the cottage, and I was sort of hanging around. Uh, and I was with mom and dad up there and, and just started taking a look at job boards and looking for event stuff. And unfortunately there's, there's a, you know, it's tough to find a lot of good event gigs out there. Uh, but this one popped up and it said, uh, here's an opportunity to, it's an eight month project, uh, on Rogers hometown hockey. And I'd heard of the property before and obviously such a big client base. Uh, and with the company I was with, it was an opportunity to represent Scotiabank, uh, and sort of to give you a little bit of background on the tour, uh, Scotiabank is a presenting sponsor of the group. So I was the road manager for it. Uh, and this was seven, I guess, six, six months on the road is 24 weeks with two break weeks in between there. Uh, and I was responsible of setting up the Scotiabank community uh, locker room. So what we would do is we'd hand out uh, jerseys to kids 16 and under. We'd have alumni come through, Darcy Tucker, Lanny McDonald, Paul Coffey, all across Canada, uh, and celebrate uh, Scotiabank's community involvement within the sport across across the country. And uh, the fact that they actually have supported uh, one million kids um, through their community hockey programs, which is super cool. So I personally don't work uh, for Scotiabank, but uh, they've been, you know, super awesome to represent. Uh, they, they touch so many people across the country, and uh, it it was just wonderful to see how it all came together. And and what I was doing was I led a group of three coordinators um, that. Uh, were um were on my team and and they activated with me every single weekend there was a production crew that set up our tent uh our trussing outside and and sort of the infrastructure of the tent we had our, our lovely driver ian who is uh, a guy from dryden who who shot it straight no matter what uh who was an absolute pleasure to work with uh but it was the team of us that headed out on 24 stops right through the thick of the worst one of the worst canadian winters uh, in in a good while, but the worst thing, the worst that I've ever seen. Uh, Give it to me straight. What's the middle of the country like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither of us have been out there. It's it's cold and it's flat. Uh, we uh, we had spent some time through Winnipeg. Luckily, when it was nice and uh, toasty, at negative five, the beginning of December. Uh, but we had gone through our uh, our stops in the prairies and. Uh, there was a spot in Spruce Grove, which is a suburb of Edmonton, and um, <laughs> the uh, it was so cold. It was negative forty three degrees Celsius. Woo. So uh, your tears would begin to freeze as you walked around, and uh, our fork, forklift froze up on us. It wouldn't start for three hours. Uh, it says it was the absolute biggest nightmare. Uh, logistically that I've ever been put through because you know I've been through those hot summer days where I'm sweating buckets but when stuff just begins to not work because it's too cold you can't even start the heaters to heat them up because it's too cold <laughs> the heaters are too cold to start up it's you know you've lost pretty much all hope 
Uh, but so you just got Ron f- up there in a freezing box. Ron no, Don. you know what? They they the, the trailer was working well. They were uh, they were nice and warm in there. But they uh, so Tara Sloan's one of the personalities, and she had to come and walk into our tent, uh, and she just was frozen basically by the time that she had gotten inside and our tent was heated but again we were basically fighting against the some of the worst cold you can you can be in so the tent itself would only get up to you know negative 20 and i'm and up to negative 20 is <laughs> like that was, is, that was uh, a sauna basically it's pretty terrible <laughs> on the on the opposite side of the spectrum what was the most surprisingly nice city or town that you visited on nice. the tour um I mean, I, yeah, I guess I fell in love with a couple different spots. Charlottetown, PEI, uh, absolutely love the area. It's, it was incredible. Um, just, and it's such a different part of the country. I mean, spending so much time here in Toronto, it's a, it's, it's a bubble. Uh, you don't see, like, there's so much to this country and it was beautiful. It reminded like East coast, uh, United States. I'm sort of used to that being from New York and, it was just the people there were so kind. Restaurants were amazing. The f- like the food, the seafood, and all that. It just there was so much to it, and the community around that that came out to the stop was was fantastic. The Tilly sinkers. I, what are the uh, uh, the Lily Dip li- uh, uh, yeah. Lady Slippers? <laughs> yeah. Lady Slippers. Lady Slippers. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a flower. It's a provincial flower. The Lady Slippers. Um, but uh, no, I I actually. I know what you're talking about. Uh, I go. I used to go out there all the time. We got we got a place out there. My family's from the East Coast. Um, and Newfoundland is just a, like a step beyond beautiful. Like Prince mm-hmm. Edward Island, great people. I watched that episode of Hometown Hockey because uh, you know we're like look and see if we know anyone. But uh, Newfoundland is the next step above. Did you do a step? Uh, Unfortunately, we did not. But that's somewhere I do want to do want to hit over. Hopefully, over my travels. Uh, it's like Jurassic. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Very cold as well. And like, I'm sure if you catch it on a summer day, cool. But it is like, it's weird. It looks like you're on the moon, but like with beautiful grass. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the ability and, to and breathe. Hilarious people. It man. looks great from those commercials. The whole East Coast is jokes. Like, they're like, Travis, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you going to go down to the beach today? Oh yeah, you know the tides going out in six hours. Gonna have some fun down there, yeah. Just so innocent and so kind and slow. <laughs> like you go to the Tim Hortons, like hey, how you doing? I'm like yeah, I'll get a coffee. Oh yeah, you like you like big fan of coffee. I'm like, do you have this conversation with everyone that comes through? They're like, do you know Nancy? Are you Nancy's boy? I'm like no. <laughs> like, do you talk to everyone that comes through? Like nothing, nothing moves quick it's, on the island. It's a large black coffee. They they call it island time. That's and it's a real. Oh thing. really? Yeah. It's an actual. Are you Nancy's boy? What's your name, <laughs> Travis? Oh, Travis. Yeah, Nancy's boy is not named Travis. Uh, that's too funny. But uh, a couple different spots. We were uh, man. That's that first drive. We uh, when we were pulling through the prairie. So we had end up gone. F- we went from Winnipeg all the way to Surrey, which is a suburb of Vancouver. Uh, but when you first pull through just outside Calgary into the beginning of the Rockies. It is astounding how beautiful that is. And it's and it sort of overtakes you as you continue to drive. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The mountains just surround you, and it's such a surreal feeling. It's And it almost doesn't look like it's real. It looks like it was just a TV screen just outside a car window, uh, which was 
it I just can't say enough uh, about how beautiful and how amazing that experience was. And uh, Vancouver Island as well. We were there in uh, late January, and I think I had given you you guys a call at one point. Yeah, you actually. FaceTimed me while you were out there. It was eleven degrees or something. I was on on the docks. You're by the water, having yeah, uh, having a coffee and just enjoying the weather. It was it was nuts to see that that. The, and again, it's just this the diversity in the environment here in this country. It's it's incredible to see that you can go from that from being two weeks two weeks afterwards or sorry two weeks beforehand being in spruce grove and it was negative 43 a frozen tundra so you got to see canada and that, like what a unique opportunity and like to, to keep this going on like this is what you've worked some really unique projects like you're, you you were just dropping you're like this festival the super bowl hometown hockey xxx all this stuff and so like this is what being an event manager looks like it's it, it's a lot of unique stuff but like can you take us through some of the like what are some of the pros and cons of this career path like what are some of the things you you were expecting what are some of the things that you weren't expecting the good and the bad just for people out there that might be considering it so um i'll tell you right now um it's a highly stressful job for those uh that don't know the uh the full ins and outs and what to expect uh it's such a high intensity environment because again just as i'd said slightly earlier it's a you know 3 day event you don't, you've got 72 hours that's it uh, and there's not a whole lot of sleep leading up to the event for 2 weeks during the event um, and it's it's super high intense at a lot of these uh, shows in that you know, you've got guys who may be losing some money, uh, who are super stressed that Even an artist a, may pull out. Such a, such a, um, with like like such a big production like hometown hockey. You know, there's there's cases where they it doesn't go as well as they plan for these events and everything. Absolutely, dates, you right? may uh, you may show up to a site and uh, all of a sudden that parking lot's completely frozen over. Uh, so what do you do? You you chip away at it. You you have to set up, and you have to get through with this event. We can't predict this weather. Sometimes we've had brutal blizzards while we have set up. It seems like weather is the enemy of events. It absolutely is. Oh, at Especially least outdoor, outdoor events. events. Well, Canada. In Canada, at least, For but sure. even indoor events. Like I don't want to leave the house when it's awful outside. It might stop me from attending things. And what also um, is difficult with events is just predicting your crowd. Predicting that that the tickets ticket sale, uh, it's you know you think as much as you think that you have a great idea, uh, some people just may not see it that night. They may have another show that's going on. They they have some certain interest that's drawing them another way, and and but you've got to sell that ticket. It's so true, man. We've been literally bash our heads against this. We're like, okay, we're gonna put on all this effort to put together something that we'd want to attend for our friends. We'll do everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll bring together food, all these cool artists. We're giving away prizes, like all this shit. And we're like, what can we set the tickets at? And we're like, you know, like in order to break even, we got to set them at 30 bucks. Is that reasonable? And we're thinking about it. We're like, yeah, like if we, we even could- asked a couple outside people as well, being like, how, we, we gave them the rundown, what event, what's happening at the events and everything. And we're like, how much would you pay for this? And they uh, gave us somewhere in the ballpark of $30. Well, like well, the way we thought about it, it's like, okay, if you're going to a party, you're picking up liquor, you're going to spend 26, 30 bucks with an Uber, maybe more. You know what I mean? Like we're like, people are spending a lot more on less cool things. So it's we thought true. it was going to be a no brainer, but 
people they're like oh 30 bucks to come to this event they're like whoa dude like what do you who do you think you are we're like what do you mean like the uber <laughs> over is gonna be 15 bucks like, like we're giving you food music and like a venue for the night with all these pro and live art people well, to hang out with it's sale. gonna be fucking sweet it's gonna be sick it, no, it, and it absolutely will be. Uh, but 30 bucks way too much, dude. What the hell? How dare you ask me? <laughs> Who do you think you are? Money? You too? You- <laughs> <laughs> the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I'll literally throw that money at anything else but you. Yeah, let me go order my McDonald's off Uber Eats when I'm hungover. But 30 bucks to a friend for an event they're putting on for us? Go you fuck yourself. Free, free food? We, we literally, like, like, thanks to our friends for coming out because they are coming out. But, like... They're letting us know the whole way. They're coming, kicking and screaming. They're like, "Yeah, who do you think you are?" <laughs> you greasy bastards. Well, that's the that's the tough the tough sell, man. It's it's tough also when you're close with friends and uh, and frankly, when I know uh, well, when some friends know that I can swing them into certain events and certain places for free, they will go completely out of their way to. Uh, to get that ticket for free, knowing that they can't, and almost spending more effort than it would be to just are you buy the of ticket. One person in I, particular. We are not naming names <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, but everyone, there's about thirty people listening right now who know exactly who you're talking about. We are not listening, listing anyone here. Uh, but it's, uh, but I guess back to the to the pros and cons of it is that um, you've got to have a certain personality for it. And for someone like me that. You know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't the strongest academically. Never going to admit that. You're, you're never going to boast that. You just admit that. that. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry. That's that's yeah, exactly right. Never uh, going to admit that. Oh fuck. <laughs> never going to never going to say I'm not strong academically. There you go. That's there's my <laughs> there's my speech that I need to work on. But the social side that I can play into and it, just working with people and and seeing the satisfaction of event running well because you see it in people's faces you see the real experience it's something that they will remember for a lifetime and uh it's that's the real takeaway from it is that you sort of have to see it in the grand scheme of things and see you know for that one person this is the night they've been waiting for that entire year but in terms of uh that makes a lot of sense and like that's the hope of every event right um but in terms of career uh, like I've, you're working different projects. Is that one path as an event guy, or can you get a job and just stick with one event group, or like what's what's the option? So, uh, so there's a couple different segments. And so currently, right now, I work on a, a more corporate background. Uh, we work on behalf of several different clients that are all companies that activate based on their marketing plans. Uh, there are groups that are promoters that will put on concerts and you can work on behalf of their production team. But to say that it's there is no certain path that you can follow, but it's very difficult to get a full-time job. And that's what I've actually struggled with up until this point. Um, I've sense. done majority contract work and that's the reason why I've been able to do so much. I've been flexible and I've been very thankful that, you know, I've popped around and been able to go across both countries being a dual citizen and 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 put myself out there when I, I needed to. Uh, but it's tough and it's really, really hard going gig to gig, finding out where that next paycheck is coming from. And you have to work your hardest to make sure that they're going to want to bring you back. So there's a couple different ways you can go about this. There's several different facets of the industry itself. There's the event manager, but to get to the point that I'm in, uh, there's the electricians, there's the stage hands, there's the sound techs, um, the artist hospitality guys. 
to get into that small segment, I think is the way that you you pop into the industry. Is that unfor- I did a lot of work before I ever started making money. I did a lot of this for free mm-hmm. and taking the gigs where I got them. And if I said, I put myself out there, I'll find the vehicle uh, as long as I get the gig. And they said, perfect. And I didn't do it for cash at the beginning. But then, you know, I my services, I developed my skills and, and just in the way that you learn through school or, you know, take uh, several different degrees or, you know, working along those, uh, those guidelines, uh, I built my skills up to a point where I was uh, able to market myself as a brand and market myself as an event manager, understanding these different little facets of, uh, of the industry itself and, and knowing it from the ground up, I'll be able to translate those skills into cost savings, understanding the exact intricacies and what it'll take to put on that event for, uh, for maybe big or small budget. So, you're back in Toronto now. You've got all these skills under your belt. What's what's next? Do you want to? Uh, are, are you gonna keep going down this event path that uh, that you're currently on, or do you want to switch to like a different side of the industry? Do you want to get more involved uh, with like concerts and promotions and stuff? What's what's next now that you're back in Toronto? So, um, what's what's great about now being in Toronto and being full time with these corporate groups is that there is constant opportunity with them that they need to get out there and make their product known they need to get involved with sponsoring several different events be it sports be it music yeah like you're in a complete hot spot right now for sports concerts events festivals there's lots happening you're absolutely right and the city is surging uh you've got a Leafs team that's finally been successful uh, consistently with Austin Matthews coming up. You've got, unfortunately, the Raptors not doing too well, but you've got a strong basketball team. You've got Toronto FC, who is on an international competition and made it to the championship. Uh, you've got the Blue Jays that are are playing, that, that played some decent ball. They've had their struggles, uh, but you've got a great great sports city and a, and a great fan base the music scene here is incredible some of the greatest artists in in the plant front all around the planet are from canada um and that environment and plenty of shows are always being booked through toronto and there's such great music venues here and such a great history uh that there's so much opportunity here you have to go out and seek it and take it no one's going to give it to you uh you know, I've learned that the hard way. Sometimes you just sit back and you know, taking that day off. Unfortunately, we're not in an environment where you can do that anymore. Uh, there's too much competition. There's too many people that are hungry for that gig. So you've got to prove yourself and get out there. And and I guess my plan for the next couple of years is learn as much as I can. You know, don't allow the small things to distract you. Get out there and take advantage of whatever is put on my plate. If it means taking on extra projects, means lending a helping hand somewhere, that's what you're going to do. And you're going to meet so many great people that way and learn so much about yourself, learn the, the processes, learn who you want to work with even, uh, and develop myself into you know, the, the great event, a manager that I want to be. I want to be known as the single name that people go to. You remember the joke we used to make way back about how you – like. You're like that one famous event planner, but there is no famous event guy. You know what I mean? So you're gonna you're gonna be that guy. I'm like, yeah, man. You remind me of that one fucking super famous event planner. You're like, no one. And yeah, I'm like, you're right. That's gonna be you. Um, no, I think you know what that reminded me of. That la- that was a really great way to end the episode. Absolutely. It reminded me of the Johnny Drinks thing. 
uh, remember when he, when he talked about like doing jobs that might seem menial yes and, and getting the most out of it and doing it well and seeing what what comes from it yes it's like never take your opportunities for granted even when it came to the fraternity a job that other people were like i don't want to do all this work i just want to party it's like there's help you find your passion yeah there's yeah. benefits it's like if you take your opportunities and you look at them in the right lights you can get creative with any role you have no matter how what the view everyone else gives it and you went down this path and then you said it like you weren't too proud to work for free you t you take projects you work hard you prove yourself and you gain those skills to get to the point where you can charge for your services or you can market yourself like there was a lot of good packed in that last breakdown yeah. and i'm noticing a recurring trend between every episode it's doing rather than just saying it's it's telling people you're going to do stuff it's reaching out it's getting creative it's it's like not worrying about what everyone else thinks. It's like, just do shit, learn. Do it for free if you have to learn some skills to market. Like, don't be too proud. Don't be too proud to say I'm a bartender uh, and I, I work hard at it and I get involved with, with it instead of just being like, I bartend because I'm saving up to travel. Like, fuck this job. Like, I just want to like, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. there's just, I don't know. And, and you know what? And you hear that, uh, you hear that over and over again, right? With successful people that, uh, are talking about how they got to the position that they're in today and they tell you oh you know I didn't it wasn't a direct path for me getting here working here and then a couple one thing led to another and I got here they always talk about how they jumped all around the place one thing led to another and they, they eventually kind of found their way into the position that they're at right now and you hear that over and over again but just kind of speaking with people more uh, like our age group or like uh, I don't know, or just having people on the sh show talking to them one on one, and I've been hearing it come from them as well, and their actual experiences. It's like they have it, different words for saying the same thing. It, yeah, exactly. But I, I just find it hits home a little more. But uh, that was a really fun. We tried to keep it short and sweet. That worked for last episode. Um, but we're gonna have you on, uh, just on like one of our funny side episodes because we have a lot of stories that we need to go through. But thanks so much for coming on. Man, it was my pleasure. I I really appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. Let me chat. Uh, let's uh, let's get some food, and we'll see you next next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Cool, good. Good stuff. <laughs>